Hey everyone, this is Allie. You are listening to The Diabolical Cyber. Hello, welcome to The Diabolical Cyber, providing your recommended dietary allowance of vitamin C for cyber culture and conversation. This is actually our launch episode since we've already released an alpha and a beta episode. So we are ready to launch to production for Reels. And today what's on the agenda is we are going to do some intros. We're going to dive on into a topic. But before we get started, I just wanted to provide a note. Some of you may have noticed, if, especially if you are subscribed to this podcast via iTunes or Google, that the show has an explicit rating. So if you are a listener who is sensitive or a parent, I want to let you know that the purpose of this is probably not going to be a ton of explicit content, but um, I wanted to accommodate my laziness as an editor and also to make sure that our guests feel that they can discuss things in an unconstrained way in whatever language they want to. So uh, for those of you who are sensitive, we'll make an effort to make per episode comments in the show notes on YouTube. And uh, of course, standard content disclaimers apply. The opinions described herein are personal, don't reflect the views of any of our employers, affiliated organizations, parents, or favorite cartoon characters, or anyone else, living, dead, or fictional. So let's get into intros. As I mentioned, I'm Allie. I am the host tonight and the editor for tonight's episode and you can find me on Twitter at Selena Kyle and with me today is Jesse aka Jesse Soros Rex the verified (laughs) and Jessica aka IT girl JS say hello hello Hello. (laughs) okay so (laughs) Um, today's topics, today's topic I thought was appropriate since we're sort of kicking things off and we're uh, getting to know each other and you're getting to know us. Today's topic is breaking in to the hacker community in the infosec industry. And since we all just got back from Vegas, maybe we can talk a little bit about our observations there. So, um, why don't we start with... Rochambeau, who wants to go first? Go for it, Jessica. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here. How did I get here? Um, Should I talk about my start in security in general? Is that what we're going for? Um, Okay, so security uh, has always been interesting to me from a technical standpoint. Um, I was interested in the technical aspect and in the privacy aspect. Um, After being interested for a few years um, and finding more ways to get involved with it at work, I started to go to security events. I found some meetups. I found the local OWASP group. Um, I found the internal social media at the company that I worked for um, and found that they were very receptive to my bad security jokes. Um, after meeting some people there and eventually going out to a few events, um, that got me my first job in security. So there was a little bit of both. It was the technical that got me into it um, and the culture that kind of pulled me in and kept me around and keeps things interesting. So what were you, What that sounds like you, you were already working in IT? Correct. But then got an interest in security. What kind of IT work were you doing? So I've had a somewhat varied IT career. Um, when I was in college, um, I got a job doing web development and IT support. Um, that's where the Twitter handle joke came in. Um, 
just a pun on it girl, except I just worked in IT. Not everyone got it. Um, I still like to think I was pretty cool. I do not have the license plate anymore. Um, so I kept that job through college. Um, and once I graduated and realized that I would not be able to use my major for, for a job. What um, was your major? It was English. Um, I wanted to go to law school or be a writer. Um, neither of those seemed like good options considering what kind of money I was making as a web developer. Um, so I continued on that route. Um, from there, I got a job at a big corporate megacorp um, doing avionics and IT systems administration um, for engineering. And that's where I met the security team. Um, I did a lot of shadow IT work. Um, we did a lot of things that weren't really, didn't really adhere to corporate IT standards that were very good for engineering, um, reverse engineering, doing cool things with airplane simulations, not IT security stuff. Um, did you make so, airplanes fly sideways? Uh, only in simulations. Um, okay. And even the simulators, you, you can't really fly them sideways and you can't do a barrel roll. You can't do anything that you couldn't easily do without destroying an airplane. Um, but so in my, in my dealings with IT security, that's pretty much what got me interested. I'd been interested in kind of a personal level before, just the whole idea of it. Um, but that, seeing the work they did, the work they kept coming after me for, and combined with other things that I was pretty passionate about, like security and wanting to use the internet and making the internet a better place, um, really got me interested in going in and sticking around. So you also mentioned that you went to events. You, so you were sort of interested in the topic, but then you went to some events. What kind of events were these? So um, I used to take college classes as a way to, to just learn more, um, and I found it interesting, so I would do that as kind of an evening thing after work. Um, that helped me find the local OWASP group um, in Arizona. And the guys who ran that were really cool, um, very informative. We always had good speakers. Um, I, I'm saying guys, literally. There, there were a few women who showed up, but not a whole lot. Um, but despite that, I was... You know, despite the issues you hear about security, everybody was always very cool to me and very eager to help me learn um, and make connections and help me get a new job. So I kept sticking around for that. Um, that is also where I met the people that um, I helped start the CactusCon conference with. So that ended up being a good thing that's kept going. Um, so you want to do a shout out to CactusCon now? Yay. Yes, CactusCon, everyone should go. We uh, probably be opening the CFP up later this year. Um, it'll be our sixth year next year in Tempe. Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So, but that pretty much got me my intro into the security community with the local OWASP group and the local, which was the Phoenix Secret Society of Hackers, modeled off of AHA, the Wait, what, what? Hackers Association. Um, that was pretty cool too. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff though. What's up? You get a pin with that? Is there like a? Do you have to? I can't talk about it. Secret, secret society. Like club. Okay. Yeah, but uh. So, yep, that was my intro um, to that and to uh, conferences in the community in general. Um, and it, it, I always just thought it was great having a group of people that was really interested in learning um, and helping other people out. So, Awesome. How about you, Jesse? How did you get into this space? I have a very non-traditional start. Um, about five years ago, I moved to the Bay Area, five and a half years ago, and I worked in education technology. Um, I had had some pretty cool experience integrating classroom of kids who all like to use the same password everywhere all the time and didn't understand why this might be a problem. But um, that experience I had had at Virginia Tech made me want to be part of whatever technological future we were building. I worked in marketing because I was an art history 
major and I could write things and I knew how to make Twitter work and I learned as much as I could about how technology was made. One of my best friends um, when I moved here worked on the security team at Apple and I always had like strange questions for him about why things were built certain ways and if that's a problem and I think the real thing that pushed me into security was that my company um, at the time had been breached and they weren't honest about it and the way that they were breached was incredibly harmful and that pissed me off badly that the teachers that I respected and the students that were using what we built and all of these other people that relied on it didn't know enough about what was at risk and really like what was going on under the hood to be able to really demand um, that things were changed or different or better for them and they're under my ass and from that point on, anytime I got the opportunity to learn about security or I saw a problem, I started calling it out. So one day I wasn't the marketing girl anymore. I was, you know, doing PR stuff specifically for security. And I didn't love that as much, um, but I yelled at them to be a security evangelist and actually get to use that love for education to teach people what the hell is going on inside of these silver and more black boxes we use. Cool. And so, okay, so that's how you kind of got interested in the topic and how you started getting work that was more InfoSec related. What about the sort of culture, scene, community side of it? Um, where did you, when did you find yourself kind of in that mix? So I think my first DEF CON was DEF CON 20. I heard that this was a thing that I needed to know about in college. And when I was in college, I'm like, eh, I'm not a CS major. I'm, I don't know enough about that. I'm not going to go do it. And one day I kind of looked at my bank account. I looked at my life. I looked at my choices and was like, why the hell am I like, there is no better time than now, which was like five years ago, to go see what the hell this is about. So I my first DEF CON, and everyone assumed that I was someone's girlfriend, which was perfectly fine, because I didn't know what the hell was going on anyway. And now four DEF CONs, five DEF CONs later, um, that is not the case. Apparently, I'm scary and intimidating. But I just, on a whim, said, I want to know more about this, so I have to experience it. Let's go. I'm not sure if I find you scary or intimidating, but you are an influencer, aren't you? Anyone who gets InfoSec Taylor I, to regularly retweet them, I think, has a little bit of influence and pull here. I mean, I'm just saying that I might know some stuff about Tay and OPSEC and that whole Calvin Harris thing. So, Are you wearing the necklace? Oh, yes. For those of no, you... No, I'm, I'm just stars today. For those of you who are listening, um, Jesse just blew a kiss to InfoSec Taylor Swift. A little bit of love to Tay. Very much so. So, okay, cool. So, um, I actually find this, the, this question, which I've asked you, difficult to answer myself because my career has taken such weird, severe turns back and forth. Um, but I will say that... <sighs> Uh, when I was in college, I spent a summer working for Wired Magazine, 
and I read every issue and I was obsessed with this idea that information technology was going to change how we lived and was going to change how we worked and in those days I think changing how people worked was focused on were we going to get to um, get away from fax machines and get to paperless offices so uh, I really didn't envision that my life would be like this pause thinking about what my life is like but I became really um, interested in, in sort of the tales of the underground because they were using technology and sort of tricks that I also knew and was interested in and so I uh, from college knew that I wanted to pursue something in something security related or e-com related and I ended up finding my way to that through e-commerce but it was looking back I, it was a very cute path because I really didn't know how to get to where I wanted to go if I had realized it was easy as taking a job at like Ernst & Young then I, maybe I would have shortcut a lot of things, but as it was, you guys are going to laugh at this. So I read this article about this crazy hacker think tank called The Loft, and like I thought it was a real think tank. So I, <laughs> I was this close, this close, this close to sending them my resume, <laughs> which now I'm like, oh, that would have been really hilarious to send them my resume, actually. Um, one of the folks who was featured in that uh, article I talked to, and I told that story to, and he was very kind. He said, well, you totally should have, because although we would have laughed at you a lot, we also would have then invited you over and you could have hung out with us, which was a really nice thing. Anyway, uh, after I graduated, cool. I got into IT, and I guess sort of like Jesse, I kept asking people all of these uncomfortable questions about, like, are we really not encrypting that data? And what about that regulation? And, you know, don't you think that we need to have some understanding of how this service provider is running that system and protecting our data? And so when that organization created their first IT security department, I was the first hire pushed into there um, so that I, I would get out of people's hair and uh, get out of trouble. So that's kind of that's kind of how I got in, and then and then that's how I got into the industry. I had this interest, and I finally was able to figure out how to do something that was related to my interest. But then I the community was an interesting one because um, I actually did try to get into the community sort of locally. Uh, I went to a few like 2,600 meetings, but never really um, connected with that local community. Uh, and it wasn't until I I went you know I went to DefCon and then moving to Silicon Valley too really helped um, helped me find my way to like-minded people in a on a on a more social level. So that's me. That's my story. Okay. So it, I part of the reason why. I think it's interesting to look back about how we got into the industry is because um, you know there are new people joining our industry every day and I, I feel like I keep hearing that there's this problem about uh, around entry-level hiring and so uh, there also was no entry-level hiring when I was at entry-level so I can totally relate to where those folks are coming from 
but I also think uh, I'm not sure that there really is a standard path. I mean, I'm sort of joking when I say my life would have been a lot easier if I had realized I could have just taken a job with a consulting technology consulting company and they would have turned me into a system auditor within six months. Um, but but there are a lot of routes to where we are. And actually, we all have really different jobs. So obviously, I think we kind of have developed different skills over the years. I'm a product manager, by the way, uh, technically, for those who uh, would be interested in, in, in what I do. And Jessica, you're, 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 are, would you describe yourself as a pen tester? Uh, yes, I'm a pen tester as a consultant. Cool. And Jesse, what, what's your... Role. I'm still a security to like yell and educate a lot and complain about passwords all the time. I you audio broke up a little bit, but I think what I heard is you're an advocate for users. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. Am I breaking up again? A little bit. Maybe turn off your video for a few minutes. See yeah, if that let me do that. So it cool. is I've just lost your sound. I just lost that. That's because I totally muted myself. Okay. Then I started talking. <laughs> <laughs> what I so what I was saying is it's mid August at the time that we're recording this episode. And we have we were we were all in Las Vegas for Hacker Palooza slash Hacker Summer Camp, um, and Jesse, you've been going to this for five years. How long have you been going to these things, Jessica? Um, this my first one was DefCon 19. Okay, so like five or six years as well. Um, and I've been going since six. So, um. So it has changed a bit. I remember the first B-sides was a lot, a lot smaller. <laughs> um, and DEF CON continues to grow every year. I'm not sure if it does, does Black Hat continue to grow at the same pace? To me, it feels like the one that's gotten really big is DEF CON. I think Black Hat had some significant growth between this year and last year, but I think it's, it grows year over year. It kind of follows the industry trend in general. Even, I hate to bring it up, but RSA even broke one of their records this year. It's like cyber year or something. Everyone must commune about the cybers. <laughs> yes, I think that there continues to be interest in this sector for investment and also just in general. So the workforce studies show that the overall the workforce is growing at about 10% year over year for the past couple of years. So it makes sense to me that there's a lot of folks who, even if they don't self-identify as InfoSec, they're starting to find that they have some obligations in that sphere. And also what is considered InfoSec has changed over the years. I think it's broadened out so I think there's a lot more interest in this area, both professionally and recreationally. So what did you guys did you what did you guys think? What did you guys have any major takeaways or any particular kind of observations about the different events? 
Hmm. So one of the things I remember from the first time I ever attended DEF CON was that I knew I didn't know what the hell I was in the middle of. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what half of the hacks I was watching were. I didn't exactly know what they meant for people. And from some of the talks that I lazily watched from the pillow and hotel room, <laughs> at certain points, um, presenters and researchers were much better about trying to make sure that there was a good takeaway or really boil down what the thing that they just found meant. Well, and that's not something that I've always observed or seen as readily like apparent and understandable in talks. At the same time though, like for me, I've, I don't know if it's because I've survived five of these or what, I didn't get the same sort of sense of like awe and wonder that I usually get. Um, there were a ton of people everywhere, all the time. I didn't run into as many familiar people as I would have liked to. I missed out hanging with a bunch of people, but I don't know. It, was, it wasn't as exciting as usual for me. It was a great year overall, but it just was not like, I, I just didn't feel the love the way that I usually feel the love. Mm -hmm. So I, I know what you mean about there, there being um, a lot of people when the event was at the Alexis Park, which was some time ago, I mean, it's just it's just happened every year. But the with the Alexis Park especially, the the event outgrew the venue, and so the way that they addressed that was like putting up these enormous tents, and then the the event outgrew that, and so what you would have is you would have a lot of folks who spent most of the con standing in line it felt like and sort of being herded around and what I think I value, I think a lot of folks value is they value the technical information they're getting out of the talks but but if if you can watch the talk from your hotel room or you can watch the talk on a video later then it's not just about the talk it's about the interactions that you might have with people and honestly the quality of interactions that you have when you're standing in line is just less. It's that whole thing about hallway con, mm -hmm. right? There's a there's a point Oh in, yeah, hallway con. There's yeah. So there's there are so many events that have started trying to be hallway con and then they grow past that point and then the hallway con of that con becomes more useful and then they grow to the point where then there needs to be another hallway con. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's like the Russian dolls of conferences. Like there's a point at which you want to be able to see people and have conversations and not be yelling across rooms all the time and be standing in lines all the time. So I understand that. I also think the, the I, I heard a lot more comparisons of Black Hat to RSA this year than in past years and um, it had been a few years since I had been to Black Hat and uh, the last time I was at Black Hat they had a, a show floor but it was I don't know how to describe this it was like a ballroom big if the, <laughs> a medium to large size conference center ballroom size thing where folks had tables as opposed to you know the really big conference spaces where they have things hanging from the air and like climbing wall size booths so they had a they had a real um, you, they had a real vendor area this year so I, I think that that is that's pretty true to Black Hat though it's always been the more corporate 
of the events in Vegas. So I'm not, I'm not too surprised, but I, I do think that I was hearing a lot more of I, a lot more kind of the idea that Black Hat is sort of departing from delivering researchers' work as being the focal point, and it felt a lot more like it was a vendor-driven um, event this year. I, yeah, and I think, oh, you oh, know, I, I got that impression too. Um, I also have a question um, for you, Jesse. Um, you've mentioned the sense of awe not quite being there. Um, it, so my question to you, do you think that's because it was less maybe awe-inspiring this time, or do you think it's maybe how, how like you've grown as a person in security? Because um, I was thinking about that. I did not get the same sense of awe this year, um, but I know that for me personally, like I'm easily impressed. If somebody's done some really cool research or they've, you know, done something, written a book, been part of something, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm seeing this, and this is awesome, and this person's done cool things, and this year I saw that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, these people, they're my peers. I know that person. I know that person. So it wasn't the same sense of, like, this is amazing. I mean, it was still pretty cool, but on the other hand, it wasn't, it wasn't like me being a new person in the audience thinking that this is, like, a cool thing of, like, hackers and, like, rock stars that I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I think that a lot of DEF CON in general, you have to really be prepared for in advance. You know, if you want to do the CTF, you need to start working March or April. If you want to get the most out of a village or an event, a lot of the preparation takes place well beforehand, and you miss out if you haven't already pre-planned it, you know, for your weekend. Um, so the, that was a little bit of a thing where it just wasn't as fun as it used to be there or not is as like amazing because I don't know maybe I'm just used to seeing all the same hacks and all the headlines all the time or like people yelling about the same stuff on Twitter that we then get to watch in real time in front of our faces in a village somewhere but it wasn't like it, it wasn't as yeah, it just wasn't as amazing as I'm used to feeling, but that might just be me being a jaded old lady now. It's it's totally fine. Um, the other thing is, like, I would get a little teeny bit starstruck a while ago about running into certain people, and now that I, like, know them and we, like, run into each other at events that aren't just DEFCON, it's like, oh, it's just that guy. Oh, it's not in, like, a snobby, like, they're not important anymore way, but it's like, you know that person, some strange like imagining past me, like we should post on Twitter together sometimes. So that's an interesting thing I hadn't thought of. I mean, my I I've observed myself that if I go if I go to Vegas for a few years in a row, then it really helps me to take a year or two off because it feels it starts to feel repetitive, right? Because the even if mm -hmm. The hacks are new. The type of hack is something that's been hot for a little while. So if you take a couple years off when you go back, there's that you you get to a sort of a reinvigorated sense of wonder. Um, I mean, if you've seen a lockpick village 20 times in the last four years, then you're probably not going to be as astonished by the lockpick village. But just so you know, if you take a little bit of a break from it, it does come back a little bit that, wow, that's so cool that people are, are doing these things. Um, but what I, one angle I hadn't considered is the Twitter effect or the Facebook or social media effect, which is that we, there, 
although there's a conference season, this idea that it's what what's happening in this community is streaming at us all year long. And so that brings a, a sort of a sense of familiarity of these, you know, the research and also the personalities that um, we didn't have before that. I, I, I actually think um, getting getting involved in Twitter was was a one of one of the I'm not gonna say it was like a, a milestone in my career to be on Twitter but when I first started using Twitter I didn't know what I was going to use it for and I ended up getting pulled into an argument about PCI I know I know I don't want to talk about it but I got pulled into an argument about PCI and then I kind of got pulled into this group of this you know the security the security twits um, that the group that I think Jen Leggio started that so that that group and the security twits and the, some of the conversations that they were having were things that I was not having with my friends. Like even my friends who were sort of in the security industry were definitely not interested in debating chip versus pin with me. I don't know why, but I just am so thankful that I have found my people. I found and I found a lot of people and they they have a lot to say constantly my Twitter feed only seems to calm down uh, in Singapore time zone anyway the Twitter effect is real social media is real yeah social media is how I've gotten introductions for my last few jobs so really yep that's very interesting. like uh, the first one that I was talking about just internal in the company where some of it was Twitter, some of it was just the internal social media with me just being able to talk to the security team and being able to jump into different groups and talk about things that I found interesting or that I was really passionate about or that I was just a very clueless newbie about but had a ton of stupid questions. So, you know, being able to argue with someone online, mm. um, you know, yeah. for better or worse, um, yeah. get some interesting, interesting mileage out of that. Or at least have people say, oh, you know, at least I've heard your name before, even if they don't remember what it's from. Um, Got it. Yeah. As long as I don't ever do anything really stupid online, it might continue to work out for me. Right I on. think for me, Twitter was the only place that I had my people, um, marketing and PR people who, I'm going to complain a little bit, but I can't tell you how mortifying it was to, to turn to someone and ask them if they knew what it meant for a PR launch that a business was now you know, coming out with APIs for the first time in their history. And having people around me who weren't really interested in technology and what it meant and what it was going to do to people was really frustrating. I, I never had an outlet until I kind of found my, my people and my raptors on Twitter. And now we never, ever shut up, ever. And <laughs> I've learned a lot, but also figured out, oh, and I've watched a lot happen. It's also really helped me figure out how I want to be and who I want to be professionally. I've really seen a lot of problematic behavior and that's just me putting it lightly. And I would rather not be the problem. I want to try to be the solution. So it, it, there's the one part where if I just needed information and I didn't know where to look, I would go and chase it down. And the other part of, oh, hey, wait a minute. I don't think I want to go that direction. I'm going to step out of this fight. It's getting ugly. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I love that 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 you found your people uh, in this space, sort of 
that that they are your people is kind of a social idea, right? Sort of your social urban family or what have you. Um, but that it, it it's really hard to separate out some of these social from career connections, kind of separating out friendships and community from sort of industry and job. Um, but I do think that mm -hmm. it, it's great when you can find that kind of harmonic alignment. Like um, I, I recently moved into a new role, and by recently I mean at the beginning of the year, and it was just so strange because it's like these things that I have been wanting to do on the side for so long were suddenly kind of front and center, and they were saying, no, 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 we, we want you to do that. We want you to do more of that, and that was just kind of amazing. Um, but but you also said something else that I want to ask you about, Jesse, which is you said you said you found your raptors and you make noises at each other all day long. What did you say? Well, we like yell at each other all day long. My 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 DMs on Twitter at any point are, oh my god, look at this shit! I can't believe this terrible password policy. Can you please go yell at it? to, oh shit, my mom computer and I think it's ransomware, help. So okay. I'm like, I'm equal parts like, hey, people listen to you when you fuss, do you mind blowing this up? And, oh my God, tech support, please help. <laughs> I'm more Absolutely. asking, is there like a raptor rallying cry that we should know? Is it a yulolation or more of a caw? That's what I want to know. Like, what is the Raptor, like, red alert system? Or can you not share that with this audience quite yet? Is it is it too powerful, I, too dangerous? It's a little bit It's a little bit too powerful. I would say it's similar to the latter part. Um, it's usually preceded by a lot of bunnies appearing on Twitter. Like, bun oh, bunnies? Sign bunnies? Holding signs? Bunnies, um, mm -hmm. bearing platitudes and possibilities, perhaps? Awesome. Okay. Well, here's to sign bunnies and raptors and finding our people. Cheers. Imaginary drink or real drink. Cheers. Okay. I think that that, that, is, a, that is sort of a good summary of who we are and where we are in our career slash cyber lives. So is there anything that you want to put out to our audience of four potentially people who might be listening to this? Like, um, I'll put out there that we are taking ideas for, for episodes, and if you have questions that you want to ask us, you can find us, well, wherever you found us, you may have found us on YouTube or iTunes or uh, Google Play, but we actually are on the Twitter as at uh, DiabolicalCyber, and our email address, should you want to email us anything, is, oh man, 18,000 tabs open, but not the one I want. It's uh, the Diabolical Cyber. The, the diabolical cyber at gmail.com if you want to uh, email us. We're also on SoundCloud at the diabolical cyber. And something that I want to talk about very soon is I want to talk about 
um, how technology affects um, art and or how art has affected how we relate to technology. So specifically, um, I am trying to catch up on Mr. Robot as an example of cyber in pop culture, and I also have some comic books that I'm finishing up. And I'll be ready for those next time. You guys cool. are watching anything cool? You're going to want to update us on later? Possibly. I've been watching Mr. Roper yelling. I'm yelling? No, 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 no. I've been watching Mr. Robot, and I've been yelling at the TV. Oh. <laughs> We've been watching it at work. It's uh, fun to watch with a group of people who are maybe considered hackers or people who hack things. So, uh, yeah. yeah, interesting. Very interesting times. Drinking and popcorn. Right. Cool. All right. Well, we will um, we will let you know what we're going to be talking about next time, and hopefully we will get some questions and ideas from folks. But um, we're not just going to be talking about industry stuff, even though it saturates our lives. We're also going to talk about pop culture and what makes it pop. All right. Well, that's all for today. This is our very, very, very successful actual first episode and thanks for listening to the diabolical cyber we'll talk to you next time peace out